Find Your Model Health podcast. I'm your host. I'm Shemaine Linney. I'm a nutritional therapist, integrative health practitioner, and certified iridologist. I'm very happy to have you guys back with me for another piece of your day. We have another special guest on the show today. I'm excited to bring this conversation to you all because I talk about this topic and I know many of you are interested in it. But before I do the introduction, I'll remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today we are chatting with Dr. Jeffrey Gross. He is founder of ReCelebrate and a pioneer in the field of regenerative medicine. So Dr. Gross graduated from the University of California, Berkeley with a degree in biochemistry and molecular cell biology. He earned his doctor of medicine in 92 from George Washington University School of Medicine. He has contributed to virology research during his studies. After graduating, he undertook a residency in neurological surgery. And I know a lot of you are going to be interested to hear what he has to say here. Um, He then pursued a fellowship in spinal biomechanics at the University of New Mexico. And then he has also spine practices in Nevada, where he currently resides, if I'm correct. Uh, He's a trained neurological surgeon. He specializes in athletic injuries, spine procedures, and offers lots of valuable information on longevity and biohacking. And he's going to specifically speak to us about stem cells and regeneration today. So Dr. Gross, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I'm honored to be here. You're very welcome. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, But before I go on, you've clearly got an extensive resume. Why, why medicine and why transition then into the longevity and stem cell biohacking area? Well, the first part was I, I was always meant to be a doctor. I mean, from my early school years and, and into high school, I, I just knew that was my path. I enjoyed the biological sciences uh, most uh, of all the sciences and being science oriented and uh, I just was inspired in that way. And then uh, in college, I, I had some influential people who, um, you know, really taught me about doctoring. Uh, I want to tip my hat to my mentor, Dr. Stephen Holtz. And uh, and then in my residency, I just met, you know, wonderful uh, people who passed on traditions of how to how to be a doctor. And one has to work very hard in the face of all the economic pressures in medicine, whether you're Canadian or in the U.S. or elsewhere, um, you know, medicine is so watered down by those people who make money on it, uh, you know, namely the third party insurers who, who, who suck the revenue out of it. But um, 
the the answer to your second question is, you know, why did I transition from traditional medicine to cutting edge, you know, biologic medicine is, is uh, I was frustrated. I was, I was treating patients. Uh, I think I'm in my 26th year of treating patients with neurosurgery problems of the spine, um, neck and back trouble, complex problems, simple problems, uh, you know, and, you know, there, there are some tiers of treatment. And the first tier is sort of time and therapy and anti-inflammatories. And the second tier might be pain management for injections. Um, and the third tier is usually surgery if you fail tiers one and two. Uh, but there's a big gap in tier two to tier three. So patients would say, doc, you know, the injections help temporarily, but they're not worth doing in some cases. Uh, and then we talk surgical options and they'd say, we're just not ready for surgery. I'm not that bad. So they're, they're stuck with this pain, but not something they can do about it. So they would say, doc, what about stem cells? What about this? What about that? And after hearing that enough times uh, and, and not having any tools to help fill that gap with some less invasive treatment that made sense, that didn't involve potentially putting screws and rods into someone's spine, you know, which is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. finally stopped going to these annual neurosurgery conferences and said, you know, I'm going to try something different. And I went to regenerative medicine conferences. And then I got interested again, because it took me back to my roots in, in my education and in molecular biology and biochemistry. And a lot had happened in in the 30 some years since I went to college and in the stem cell field. And it was a chance for me to go back and say, okay, it's that field is ready for me now. So I got trained, I, I got, I educated myself, I read, I went to these conferences and started applying regenerative medicine with the goal of offering it to my spine patients. But because regenerative medicine, and we use the word regenerative to include stem cell based medicine, because that medicine you know, overlaps with all kinds of regeneration of the body and slowing the cellular aging and the anti-aging, you know, biohacking community, I'm doing much more than just treating spines now. So that's the evolution. Sorry for just rambling on. It is, well, you're correct. It is more than just treating spines. Like you're enhancing one's overall quality of life on every level. And um, I don't think people see when when they see a specialist who knows what they're talking about and doing what you do. It's not just, oh, I'm helping your spine or making your back feel better. It then has a huge ripple effect throughout the rest of your life, which is amazing. So Thanks. stem cells, peptides, PRP injections, all really hot topics now. What? Again, they're just they're they're um clickbait. They're keywords that people are using. A lot of people don't even understand what they are. They just hear it through the gym or the grapevine. So can we go back a little bit uh with stem cells and just explain to the audience what are stem cells? Sure. Um happy to do that. So stem cells are cells that created us in the first place when we were an embryo you know, first fertilized egg, and then we divide into two cells and four and eight, et cetera, in, into the embryo, uh, those are stem cells. They have not yet received a final job assignment 
as to what type of tissue they're going to be in your body. Uh, are, are they going to be a brain cell or a liver cell or a bone cell or something like that? And we as adults, once we stop growing, continue to retain uh, stem cells at, at, to help us heal, to help us regenerate and recover and maintain as needed. Uh, we Those cells get exposed to the same stressors that all of our cells get exposed to during life. Uh, what's in our water, what's in our food that isn't great for us, what's in our lifestyle. So we'll call these, you know, sort of the epigenetic factors. Uh, and these cells, our stem cells become less functional with time. And an example of that, Shemaine, would be um, if you take a three-year-old who scrapes his knee on the sidewalk and, you know, you the mother cleans it up, puts a bandage on it, kisses the boy and sends him on his way, go back and play. And then three days later, the bandage comes off and the scab is almost completely healed. Mm. Like, wow, that was fast. Whereas you compare that to a 75-year-old who bumps his elbow on the doorframe and then has a two and a half week bruise and discoloration. I mean, why doesn't that same person with the same genes and same cells heal as well as he did when he was three. And the reason is the stem cell activity just isn't as good. So and these stem is cells- because, Is that partially because of aging or all and or all the different lifestyle factors over the 70 years? Well, I think the paradigm is aging is the exposure to all these lifestyle factors over the years. Aging is- in, a, in accumulation over time and amount of chronic inflammatory change, degradation and deterioration of cellular function. And we accumulate, you know, useless cells called senescent or zombie cells. Our autophagy, where we recycle cells becomes less useful. And, and part of that is driven by stem cells. So our stem cells face the same problems. We have senescent stem cells and they just don't regenerate us as well. And lifestyle factors and epigenetics, meaning how healthy we are, just living like our grandmothers told us to live, uh, you know, determines the functionality of our stem cells over our age or life and how healthy we will be in that later years, which is why we like like to use the phrase or words health span, uh, meaning uh, a longevity that's healthy, uh, uh, you know, because you could live to a hundred, but if the last 20 years you're in a nursing home, that's not great. But if you live to a hundred and you're, you're only infirm for the last six months of your life, that means you filled your lifespan with health, health span. Do you feel that the regression of stem cells as one transitions through their life is definitive or can it be slowed down? Can you maintain the same stem cell health as I could now in say 30 years? Um, I think there are new strategies on top of old strategies to help improve your stem cell activity as you age over 30 years and slow the age process upon them, which mm -hmm. means you're slowing the chronic inflammatory change. And that comes through mostly uh, willful choices. 
uh, in diet, not just what you eat, but when you eat. Um, it, you know, I know you've had guests on uh, about fasting and, and, and things like that. Other forms of hormesis, meaning mild stressors on the body and its cells to build resilience, mm. fasting or calorie restriction being one of them. You could add certain types of exercise, hot sauna, cold plunges, uh, as others, form, mm. other forms of hormesis. And then, um, you know, other important optimization uh, uh, mm -hmm. lifestyle features like, um, you know, proper restorative sleep, um, you know, uh, the right supplements, um, again, back to exercise and movement, things like that. Yeah. Do you, have you heard of a guy called Brian Johnson? He's making sure. a game for himself in the biohacking world now. Um, yes basically reversing his age but he's spending what two million a year on his health to um pretty much reverse his age that if you've seen him he 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 has a different look about him he looks very elvish like he came out of lord of the rings and that's <laughs> not an insult i don't know how else to describe it but he's doing of course stem cells he's what is he i think he's either vegan based he he avoids the sun he will not go on this like he he's extreme biohacking at this stage but he's doing some stem cell work from my understanding like regularly right so you know he has the ability to do that he's he's uh outspoken and he's helping push this field in a good way and uh, we are all biohackers of sorts. You know, think about it. If we decide we're going to eat healthy, we're biohacking. If we decide we're going to not eat healthy, we're biohacking the wrong way. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, well, he, he's, he's, uh, he has the ability to do this and he's, uh, it, it's very interesting what he's been doing. Yeah. And I've watched a couple of his interviews and although it's interesting, it's not something that I would be drawn to do because I, I, in my opinion, I don't think he's living life in the way it's supposed to be lived when he, you're living that restricted and that confined and that regimented, uh, maybe uh, each to their own. He probably loves it. But for <laughs> me, it wouldn't be a P I'd rather live my 90 or a hundred years healthy and strong than live to 150 and not have lived at all. So. Excellent uh, so point. <laughs> something funny that I wanted to say as you were describing stem cells I have a little boy he's 11 and this morning on the way to school I said oh I'm interviewing a guy today a doctor about stem cells and he said what are stem cells I was like okay how do I explain this to an 11 year old <laughs> so I said well we have cells in our body and every night we make new cells and I said they're like blank boards and they will go wherever your body needs it to go. So if you cut your finger, then your body needs stem cells there. And that was kind of how I described it to him because he's he's getting into health and has these questions now. He actually, because his mom is a biohacker, he asks questions that other 11-year-olds don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So one thing um, I've done, this might just be interesting for you as well, when I've spoke on a basic level about stem cells to my uh, clients and followers, I've mentioned, you know, hangnails. If you pull a hangnail and it's deep enough and uh, it bleeds, let's say I do it tonight and I wake up in the morning and that's healed, 
then you're, you've got a good indication that your stem cells are pretty good there. Whereas if it takes days and days, you could probably do it a little bit of work. So uh, good news for me is if I get a cut, it'll be healed in 24 hours. So um, pretty good, I think. Yeah, it's an absolutely perfect example of your stem cell activity. And thank you for that, because you're right. It's just like the little boy who skins his knee and the old person whose bruise lasts forever, right? It, this this is exactly what's what's happening. And focusing on your cellular health will, focusing on your cells will take care of you. Hmm. So you specialize in regenerative treatment using stem cells. So what exactly is that in what you're doing? Well, there are three different levels of stem cell-based medicine, if I can explain briefly. The, the most basic level is called PRP or platelet-rich plasma. And this is drawn from your own bloodstream and spun in a centrifuge. And the, the, platelet, uh, is the platelet and the growth factors are collected out from that spin, separate from the red blood cells and the plasma, which is sort of the liquid in the water, in the blood. And these platelet-rich factors can be reconcentrated and delivered back to your body. For example, if you have tennis elbow or some kind of tendon or something orthopedic related, you can inject this over a series of two or three sessions, and that will help concentrate some of your body's healing um, more acute inflammation, which is good for healing, not chronic inflammation, um, into the right place. So that's sort of uh, the very basic thing you can do. From, uh, most doctors will offer that. The next level up from there is, is, is skipping right to stem cells. And stem cells have two sources. Your own body, which can come from various places, but the richest source is your bone marrow. Um, and and you, those can be harvested. That's not necessarily pain-free to harvest. Mm. And um, they can be uh, prepared and re-delivered back just like PRP. Or you can get a much more youthful source of stem cells, which in my mind have much more bioactivity. And that is from uh, perinatal uh, source, meaning afterbirth. So what used to be thrown away after a mother delivered a baby uh, you know, placenta, umbilical cord, amniotic fluid. This used to be biological trash mm. is now biological treasure. And there are many labs, you know, uh, in, in North America and other places that will, will collect these, they will test and screen them and prepare them for use. Um, so, so that's the source of stem cells, but, you know, uh, about 15, 16 years ago, uh, a, a wise scientist tracked the stem cells, uh, we'll call them stem cell graft, tracked a stem cell graft that was delivered to someone intravenous and found that those stem cells only lasted 10 to 14 days. But the regenerative ability of those cells to help affect the recipient lasted weeks and months. And signaling why, the actor was there and it had pretty much barcoded itself onto the genetic and ex protein expressions. It, it had, but the that's exactly right. But the way that the recipient cells made those changes or accepted that those messages hmm. 
was because those stem cells that they received delivered cell to cell messengers. Mm. And we call those extracellular vesicles, which are very small particles that one cell gives off to its neighbors. Uh, and it can deliver thousands, each cell can deliver thousands of these each day. And those, those neighboring cells receive this message and it has small microRNAs and growth factors. And it tells those receiving cells to, to make those behavioral changes, to change which genes, like you said, are being called upon, mm -hmm. to focus on repair, regeneration, and restoration as opposed to degeneration and defense mode. Yeah. And so basically shut off the chronic inflammation and go back to optimal factory settings. <laughs> and and um, and that's where we're getting the benefit is, is I have found that the third level of regenerative biologics are delivering these extracellular vesicles directly, skipping the middleman, the stem cell. And we, and we like that for a couple of reasons is one is these small particles can travel further in the body. They don't get as hung up in the heart and lungs when delivered intravenously. They do cross the blood-brain barrier for people who need uh, that kind of regenerative message to the brain and spinal cord. Uh, they do tend to last longer and we can get a more concentrated dose. And would you believe they're about half the price of stem cells? So I'm a bigger fan these days of using this more advanced delivery of the exosomes, sometimes called nanoparticles, to deliver the stem cell message without even bothering with the stem cells. So are these stem cell messages derived then from placenta and post-birth treasures? And how are they being delivered? Is this IV as well? Depends on the issue. So here at, at in my hands, uh, for the the biohackers and the and the group who's focusing on anti-aging, those who may have an autoimmune issue want to re help reduce their inflammation, certain infections, certain recovery. If they want help recovering from a heart attack, improving heart function or brain function after stroke, or, or some type of inflammatory dementia like Alzheimer's, we tend to go with IV. Mm. Uh, IV. If, if it's an orthopedic issue, we are actually seeing some cartilage regeneration in joints uh, following some wonderful studies out of France that are now in their 17th or 18th year. Mm. So we're just slow here in North America, but um, those are delivered directly to the body part, whether it's the knee, the hip, the spine, the ankle. And then we have some cosmetic and, and, and procedures for thinning hair. And for sexual function, we have some boy and girl shots. <laughs> what about bone regeneration? Because I, I have a couple of clients concerned about bone loss and regression post, as we spoke about at the beginning of the call, post chemotherapy and radiation. Right. So I've been reluctant to use regular exosomes derived from stem cells for anyone who's had cancer, because I just don't have enough experience and don't want a cancer to accidentally um, go crazy. So now having said that, uh, I am pursuing some research in the area of exosomes derived from NK cells. And NK, you may, you and your audience may know, stand for natural killer cells. And these are the cells in our body, in our immune system, that tend to weed out cancer cells. So I'm looking into that. It's not yet available. 
uh, here anyway. Um, but separate from the post chemotherapy group, you know, if if someone's in uh, you know, or someone's in remission long enough, you know, there is evidence that exosomes will stimulate uh, bone marrow health and uh, bone density. And as you and your audience, I'm sure knows, the the longevity organs are bones and muscles. And if you if you maintain your bone density, you don't get osteoporosis, and you maintain your muscles through exercise. Uh, you release myokines and little particles from the muscles that stimulate uh, the brain to be healthy. That you know, the keep is, slows the progression of dementia and improves the overall health. There are other studies that show that use of these stem cell derived exosomes do help support bone density. Mm. Now that's difficult in a postmenopausal group, and often optimization should require some evaluation for hormone optimization, um, vitamin D, uh, and, uh, and and these are the fat and exercise, of course, are the factors that stimulate bone density. So there can be a role for these, but we have to be very cautious in the uh, people who have had some cancer, unless it's complete remission. Mm. So if one was to do that, we're looking at the age, the individuality, do we need to also complement it with some bioidentical hormones? And yeah, that's very helpful because I know people are interested in that. For myself, if I was to do something like this, it would be more the anti-aging and longevity aspect. So for people like me who are more... Uh, not not to say vain <laughs> we care about what we look like and we want to maintain it uh what kind of results can people see like what's your experience here with this well for our group of people and i'm one of them that is doing this for an anti-aging or i'll call it a preventative uh means um uh, you know, we tend to see um, at least for three or four months after an IV approach, um, reduction in aches and pains, improvement in sleep and in energy, improvement in cognitive function, uh, improvement in recovery from workouts. Um, we have other people who have, uh, you know, little different things they've reported like improved libido um improved uh, metabolism reduction in, we have some you know type 2 diabetics who have improved blood sugar um and these are people who have had no particular disease or pathology going into it mm -hmm. so um we do have others with a disease or pathology we've tried to assist with and have had some interesting benefits couple with uh kidney uh, kidneys failing um, that we've been able to help. Again, recovery from heart attack. Heart function is um, significantly uh, tied to stem cell activity. And the, the stem cell derived exosomes do stimulate and activate one's own uh, sleepy aged stem cells to act in a more youthful way. This is basically a dose of youth. And there are studies where, where they take young mice and old mice and they exchange the blood. And this is uh, kind of like that. And they're getting that, the exosomes, the old mice is getting the young mice exosomes and acts more youthful and lives longer and vice versa. The old mice gets 
the young mouse gets the old mice exosomes and behaves more like an aged mouse and, and doesn't live as long. The sleep optimization intrigues me because I wouldn't have connected it to sleep improvement, but I'm assuming that's because of cellular metabolic health improving and the the not only that, but the if I'm correct, cognitive performance improving and also I would guesstimate the cell's ability to utilize vitamin D better. I would think all of the anti-inflammatory, parenthesis, anti-aging <laughs> metabolic pathways are enhanced when they receive the youthful messenger signals coming from stem cells or stem cell derived exosomes because it activates those pathways in the cell. Um, so I would agree with you that it, it, would, it would include, you know, better use of vitamin D3. It would include um, reduction in all the pro-inflammatory defense pathways that tend to gunk up our system. Mm. And it would improve, um, you know, restorative pathways, uh, production of antioxidant enzymes. So tapping back into the DNA repair enzymes that we make, things like that. I would agree. So this sounds like it would be prime for most people, dare I say, who have chronic and systemic inflammation and autoimmune issues and all these different illnesses that society is plagued with now. I have a lot of clients and followers that I know are going to be very interested in this. And of course, Nevada is not very far for us. Canadians, mm -hmm. of course, love to go to Vegas regularly. Um, but for people who have autoimmune issues, Crohn's, MS, so-and-so, how do you approach them with this? And what can they expect? And also, in how long can they expect to see results? Well, you're, you're right that our favorite patients and those who probably get the biggest response are those who have a hyper-inflammatory burden already. And those are those with autoimmune problems uh, and or certain infections that are known to have a significant inflammatory burden. Mm. Let's name two of them that are significant, Lyme's disease and COVID-19. Uh, both are known to have a significantly out of proportion inflammatory response. Now, everything I say here, of course, is like you said, for educational informational purposes. And here mm -hmm. in the States, uh, I am unable to make any claims. Uh, the government uh, has made that clear. The FDA says that stem cells and or exosomes uh, are not approved for claims. So anything I say here is to help people with uh, their situation, but I can't say I can cure or or treat a disease or condition. So I'm not trying to apply that. Mm -hmm. But given that cautionary uh, uh, proviso uh, <laughs> to make sure we are always compliant, yep. I would tell a patient um, that this would be something to try uh, as an adjunct to whatever else they're doing uh, that their doctor is suggesting. Um, they can try it as an alternative um, that um, because it's not approved some people define that as experimental, although there are wonderful studies to support this. This is not just shooting from the hip. Mm -hmm. Most of those studies, Shemaine, come from Asia and Europe, okay? 
We're a little slow here in North America to adopt these things. Uh, but we don't do anything, you know, shooting from the hip. We do it based on good science uh, somewhere. Yeah. But these patients are interesting because um, they are, are the group that might have a couple days of a side effect. And that side effect after, after doing this is they will have a flu-like syndrome. And if you think about the flu, you get muscle aches, joint aches, you get fevers and chills, you feel yucky, you get tired. And why is that? Because your body's releasing all these cell signals that it's stored up that are in the, it, calling the immune system. The, they're activating the, you know, the immune, the, the uh, response, uh, the defense system, you know, call the, call the alarm. And it takes a day or two for those uh, proteins that get released. Because when we flip the cell metabolism from inflammation defense mode to youthful, better optimized uh, metabolism mode, the cell has to do something with all these cytokines. So it purges them, they get into the bloodstream and we have these symptoms and they, they clear out. It's not the flu, it's flu-like. When you think about it, when you have the flu, the same thing's happening. Your cells are infected. They're releasing all these defense things and you get these symptoms. So the, the people that tend to have more of those side effects for the first few days tend to have a better result once they're gone. Is because, that because they- feel worse in the beginning? Correct. They, they stored up so much inflammatory burden in their bodies from these hyperinflammation situations, whether it's an autoimmune, a rheumatoid arthritis, a thyroiditis, Crohn's disease or irritable bowel, psoriatic problems, or these infections we talked about that have the hyperinflamed state that it's, we're, we're flipping a bigger switch for them. Yeah. That makes sense with, um, I discuss molecular hydrogen a lot with my clients. I'm a huge fan of it. I would love to get Tyler LeBaron on the podcast, but it with molecular hydrogen, if you are healthy and do not have systemic inflammation kind of hounding you all day, you'll take molecular hydrogen and you'll say, well, I feel nothing, but that doesn't mean it's not working. But those who have the worst uh, symptoms and systemic inflammation, they will take it and feel an improvement immediately. So it's funny how the, it, I feel because people feel so bad that when you do make them feel a little bit better, they feel it immediately. Whereas I'm like, no, I just feel the same. Uh, that's a wonderful point. And we do have biohackers and I'm one of them who, who do the IVs on a regular basis. And, and, and I had more response that I felt after the first one or two. And now I'm already hopefully maintaining a lower state of anti-inflammatory nature mm -hmm. that I don't feel much of a difference. However, we do have markers for this. Yeah, I had one client who had an IV and said, you know, I really don't feel much at all. But then a few days later, he sent me his HRV. And I don't know if that you've done this on your podcast. You have, so I, I love health metrics. Heart rate variability or HRV is one of them. You can measure it uh, on a whoop device or an aura ring, or now the Apple watch does have HRV. Oh, yes. You have to, you have to go into the app and uh, on the phone on the iPhone. And uh, it, it's one of the health metrics. Now you have to look for it, um, but you have to wear the Apple watch to track it. 
Mm. And um, you could, there are also add-on apps, by the way, for the, for the iPhone that you can track. Um, be that as it may, um, his HRV jumped from the 60s to the 90s without changing anything else, which is, that's quite a big jump. And 90s is almost unheard of. That's crazy great. Right, well, that indicates, because I do speak about HRV a lot, um, that indicates a reduction in that stress response through the nervous system. And, uh, oh, there was a guy I had on a couple of weeks ago, Don Moxley. He specializes in HRV. Uh, he has some system that he tracks, and I use Whoop. I've been using the Whoop for three years. And he, he works with athletes specifically, and he was kind of saying some of his practices and his athletes, like what you just said, they would jump from a 60% recovery to uh, 90 HRV. And that was amazing. And I was like, well, my HRV kind of hangs around 111, 120. <laughs> and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, seriously. It's awesome. so, um, amazing, HRV yeah. is an amazing tracker for the stress response. Right. Uh, and it's not invasive with these tools as well. Right. So that's one test. Other tests we use to track cellular stress is, are the different biological age tests, which look at uh, inflammatory markers. And we can just do blood tests for inflammatory markers like homocysteine or C-reactive protein, but there are two different categories of biological age tests. There's the intracellular, like the telomere length, the DNA methylation, that kind of thing. And then there's the extracellular, uh, which the glycan age is probably the best one for that, where we look at sugar molecules attached to antibodies. And uh, because you can modify those with your lifestyle and it's a look back for, uh, at least with the glycan age for a number of months. So it's like an HbA1c test if you're a diabetic, right? You look back and see what your compliance and your success has been over a number of months. And we are looking at these tests in relation to delivering the biohacking IV exosomes and things like that. Are you testing biomarkers every three months or shorter? How often are you doing that? At the beginning, I like every three to six months. And then once we know our happy place, I don't think they need to be done that frequently. And you're testing telomeres. That's something I would love to get tested. Actually, I've been using the glycan age uh, because it gives us um, a, a number of months of look back where the, the telomere length uh, may be too long. Uh, a look back to help us see the response to something we're trying. Oh, and ultimately okay. it's like HRV, you know, you, you have a good night's sleep, your HRV goes up, hmm. you know, you want, you want some kind of measure of what you're doing. So you can say, aha, I should just do more of that thing, mm -hmm. or I should avoid this one thing that's making me right. worse. Yeah. So more refined and more current than the telomeres would be. Right. So in your industry and what you're doing now, do you have a lot of competition? I'm sure you have to stay on top of the research as much as possible to stay ahead of the game. I I am always amazed at how many new things there are, or new papers coming out in the scientific literature. Um, one has to cut through literature that's not great and cut through some of the popular stuff that gets published without scientific basis that's not in scientific journals you know on on websites and and things you know a lot of people send me news articles and I'm like yeah it's not really news it's just an idea 
Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, my my uh, there's not a ton of competition, and I'm you know there can be there doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, there are, listen, people people travel far to get stem cells and things. They travel out of the country. They travel out of the U.S. Um, they can. You don't have to. Um, we don't manip we don't use or manipulate any tissues here. So I know out of the country, sometimes they use uh, cell lines that have been, um, you know, uh, allowed to live longer and and divide many times. So I I don't know what those cells look like. I don't know what their telomere length is, and I want the freshest stuff. So that we buy from labs, reputable FDA compliant labs. Ironically, that uh, we can. Uh, we have a tracking. We, we it's been tested. We know the protein content mm. of the material. Um, it's basically from the womb to the lab to the freezer to my freezer to the to the to the recipient. So it's basically the youngest tissue that you can get. And and I and I'll be honest, we've done stem cells and exosomes in my in my own personal use the exosomes have been as effective as the stem cells with less cost. I have to ask, because I know people are going to be curious if they are enjoying this conversation as much as I am. Uh, what What's the price range? Just give me a range. Don't give me the... For someone who wants to do exosomes for systemic inflammation, autoimmune issues. Yeah, so we have... Um, I'm able to do here in my office... Um, we have the exosome IV uh, priced uh, at four thousand, just under four thousand dollars US mm -hmm. currently, um, and that involves um, a total particle count of five hundred twenty billion, mm -hmm. uh, which is a significant dose. I don't think you can find a bigger dose. Now we realize that those are particles between fifty and hundred nanometers in diameter. Uh, which is why they call them nanoparticles. They're about one one thousandth the size of a cell. Mm -hmm. um, and not all those particles are active exosomes. Um, but because there's no way to know how many exosomes are in there, we we to compare this to another product or what have you, um, we go with the the top particle number, which is 520. Um, for example, if you go to your esthetician and they want to do, you know, a facial with exosomes, maybe some microneedling and facial, you might get 5 billion or mm -hmm. 10 billion. So we're doing 520 billion. So that's the difference. And it's fresh. I have a special freezer. So you get a fresh delivery. If we were to do someone's knee, let's say, and we do lots of knees now, all of a sudden I'm doing more knees than spines. <laughs> if you have degenerated cartilage and you are considered going towards bone on bone, or your doctor says you have arthritis and you really want to avoid a joint replacement, this is one way we can try to do that. And that usually involves two doses injected above and below the knee. And that's done at a surgery uh, center under sedation. So with all those additional costs, we have that price just under $10,000 US. So you're flooding the cells. So you have higher chance of efficacy that you're going to hit the target basically. Well, with the knees, we're very specific about where we deliver. Uh, we get specialized MRI sequences. We, we determine exactly where the bone marrow and the stem cell uh, need some some activity. And because and we have some we have some wonderful before and after MRIs where we've actually shown enhancement in the thickness of the cartilage after the 
delivery of the exosomes. Yeah, so I meant with um, the nanoparticles, you're 500 million. You're, you have a oh. higher chance of efficacy, the higher dosage you're going. I see. Um, so yes, it's 520 billion. Oh, uh, but more. yes, you're correct. It, yeah, obviously, the, the, we want a significant number um, compared to some of these smaller doses that are out there for cosmetic purposes. Awesome. This has been fascinating. I knew it would be. Um, uh, the, have you heard of, I'm just curious, um, a guy called Sayer G out of Florida. He runs a website called Green Med Info. He talks a lot about exosomes, but from plants, not from humans, and how they tag genetics and have that messenger expression as well. You you might be interested to look into what he has to say because he he's actually a really smart guy. And he was um one of these guys who was censored, shall we say, for what he was <laughs> saying over the last few years. But he ha- he's really smart. He's got a lot of interesting stuff to say. I haven't heard of him or the website, but I am aware there are exosomes that come from plants that overlap some of the anti-inflammatory epigenetics mm-hmm. and gene expression uh, in a human. So it gives, you know, a nutritionist, uh, a nutritionist can really affect your your inflammatory burden, your genetic activity, uh, epigenetic activity uh, through through this knowledge. And one of the ways that the nutrition from plants helps us is through their own exosomes and they do overlap with ours. We, we share some very primitive um, proteins and genes and uh, plants can activate them. And we know this, we know what's healthy for us. Yeah. You know, well, that's it. I really, people know, people know already that they, (laughs) just pay me to remind them and hold them <laughs> yeah. accountable. But people know, like you, as much as I want you to hire me, you don't really need to hire anybody because you already know the answers. Don't do this, do do that. Um, one thing that I love um, for optimizing stem cells again is um going to bed slightly hungry there is some research supporting that we get the extra dump mm-hmm. of human growth hormone i there was a girl in the gym this morning she's like i just can't get my gains and i was like i bet you're eating late at night i bet you're eating yeah. like you can see it um it makes such a difference for the healing and regeneration i completely agree uh, I think that it, I'm going to call it intermittent feeding. And it sounds like we're making this intervention, but really we're designed to eat during the light and not during the dark. So, um, you know, the, we're, we're biologically wired for that. So our metabolism moves with that. And if you're eating during um, the dark phase, you're really messing up your metabolism. You're not going to have your muscle gains. We also probably, and you, I think you might agree, we don't get enough good protein both amount and quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't. Um, and um, I think that uh, those are probably two of the biggest factors I come across that can be optimized. I'm so glad you said you'll mess up your metabolism eating because as much as I say it, I'm like, I know, I know you don't like to hear this. I know nobody wants to hear this, but I can tell you my body, the human body loves 
going to bed slightly hungry. If you want to see results, look your best, feel your best, grow muscles, heal, uh, you go to bed slightly hungry, but people don't want to hear it now because that's uncomfortable and you can't eat and watch Netflix before bed. <laughs> well, the problem is we were probably designed to go to go to sleep right after it gets dark and we don't. So we get hungry as a as opposed to being asleep while we're hungry because then, then we don't care, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I think that people, and I'm one of them, I struggle with this too, right? We're, I'm up way, late working or reading or watching Netflix or what have you. And yeah, yeah I kind of would like a little snack. So I think you have to be strategic and you should have a negative caloric snack, you know, some celery or maybe Nobody a little bit of protein. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is a hard thing, but the, the more you practice it, the easier it gets, I think. Well, thank Agreed. you. Where can people learn more about your work and all the fine details? Thank you. Um, so all of our channels are called Recelebrate. So R-E-C-E-L-L-E-B-R-A-T-E. -E -E. Uh, we have a website, Instagram. We have fun posts on Instagram, um, TikTok. I have lots of YouTube videos. Just type in Recelebrate. You'll find us. And um Hopefully we can uh, answer questions or or meet some of people who listen to you. And we we try to help any way we can. We love new issues and we'll dig in and research them. Mm. Thank you. This has been fascinating. I think people have learned a lot. I love this topic. It's so awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for your time, Dr. Gross. Maybe we'll have you back in the future with some new updates on what's happening in the world of regeneration. Would love that. Thank you. Thank you.